coming up on today's new moon episode of the Dreamers Den podcast. I think that we think, oh my gosh, I have to have a big dream for it to mean something. But a, the sneaky snippet, it's to me, it's a condensed version of a dream in just like a few seconds and a few images. And I have worked with so many people on a little snippet that they thought was absolutely nothing that ended up being a major something. So I'll, I'll use the one from the book because I just love it. Uh, the entire dream is a woman walking on a treadmill in stilettos. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole dream. That's a little snippet, maybe a sneaky snippet of my conversation with Bambi Corso Steinmeier. I loved talking with Bambi about sneaky snippets of dreams, dream-inspired advocacy for the earth, what it means to track our dreams and get to know them rather than try to interpret or define them, and a few other subjects from her newly published book, Dream Tracking, and some other subjects we wander into. As I was editing this episode and looking at the visual of our audio waves, I saw that my suspicions were correct. I talked a lot more than usual in this one. I definitely got excited talking with Bambi about so many of my favorite themes. I hope you'll enjoy it all too. One quick thing before you listen into our conversation. If you are enjoying the Dreamer's Den podcast, would you leave a five-star rating? Especially if you're on Apple Podcasts right now, that will really help more like-minded, like-hearted listeners find the show. So scroll down and leave a five-star rating and a review if you'd like to. And to thank you, here's something new. After you leave your rating, take a screenshot and either email me or tag me on Facebook or Instagram at Heal, Grow, Thrive, Flow. And I will enter you to win a free ticket to a Dreamers Den live event or dream group call coming up in May, June, or July. Thank you so very much. And now here comes my conversation with Bambi. You're listening to the Dreamers Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navarre. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Bambi Corso Steinmeier. She's the author of the newly published book, Dream Tracking, Track Your Dreams and Transform Your Life. She's written this after more than 40 years of passionately exploring dream work, in which time she's journaled over 8,000 of her own dreams. And in addition to being an author, Bambi works with clients as a dream tracking coach and a law of attraction certified coach. She serves on the Southern California Regional Committee of the International Association for the Study of Dreams, the IASD. And she also served nine years as a review editor and contributor to the Dream Network Journal. 
Welcome, Bambi. Thank you so much for coming on the Dreamers Den podcast. Thank you for the wonderful invitation. (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here. I'd love to ask you first how and when you first realized that dreams really mattered to you. Well, when I was about 15 years old, I had a dream in the middle of the day, which was kind of rare, Um, but I woke up and it was so powerful and it was so impactful that in that moment, I thought, my God, there's just, there's so much more to dreams than we even think there is. And in this particular dream, it felt like uh, to be honest, it just felt like a past life, actually. <laughs> mm. And um, it it was it felt very ancient. It explained some current life fears that I have, like a fire is one of them. And it just got me sparked on this entire path of dream work. And I've uh, I just never stopped. <laughs> but that was the beginning dream. Do you remember what you did first? Did you have someone to ask about it or books you turned to? Or how did you dive deeper? Good question. So when that happened, which was many, many years ago, uh, there was not a lot of books on dreams and dream dictionaries were pretty much the only way that people could even get in touch with what their dreams might mean. Of course, you know, I feel very differently about that now, but back then there wasn't people doing dream work like there is nowadays. And so I would just do my best to figure it out on my own. But it took quite a few years of figuring out tools to actually start working with dreams in a way that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was tough. It was tough to try to understand it back then. So I mostly just used my own kind of sense of intuition of what I felt like it was probably speaking to. Well, that's always a good way. Something to include no matter what other ways yes. we're doing, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dream dictionaries, you know, usually have this, um, usually take a kind of one-to-one or one to three or four, this might mean this, which is definitely a a dream interpretation kind of approach. And I know that in your book, you talk about this idea of dream tracking and that dream tracking is not the same thing as dream interpretation. Mm -hmm. Would you share a little bit about what you mean by that? What is dream tracking and how is that different? Okay. Uh, first, I'll just make a quick comment on the dream dictionaries. I, I think that it, I think that dreams are very personal. I think that our imagery is very unique to us. And so we pull from things that matter to us in our life. And so to reference a dream dictionary is somebody else's interpretation of an image that may mean something so different to you or to me. So I pulled away from doing any kind of uh, standard work like that and dream tracking has turned into more of an exploration and a discovery of working with our own dream images to see how they're informing us. And so, so much of the process is about journaling our dreams and then looking back over recent dreams, you know, and of course going back as long as you want, but we start looking for threads of things that our, our tracks from one dream to another. And it might be something like a similar emotion. It might be an image that continues to reappear. It might be a color. It might be a number. And so anytime that there's something that feels like another kind of internal footprint that we can follow in our dream work, that's kind of what inspired, inspired the whole idea of dream tracking, was pulling away from any kind of actual, this means that, and moving into, well, let's explore it, let's get to know it. 
And in tracking a dream, it's more about watching and observing and getting to know our imagery without defining it. Because once we've done that, it can never be anything other than what we have said it was. So I like to keep it open because as you know, dreams are so multidimensional and they speak to us on so many levels. So I never wanna limit the information that can come in a dream because it can be one thing today and we could reread it in 10 or 30 years and it could still be very applicable to our life in a whole different way. Right. Yeah. I love that. And it takes almost like a protective energy. I feel like to, to maintain the openness and not come to some kind of conclusion of this means this, because myself included, you know, we kind of want to figure out um, what is this dream bringing me or wants me to do, or is giving me insight on, but still always holding that openness to, and there's more, I don't know what it is, but there's still more. And like, reminds me of Stephen Jenkinson, who's written about the importance of not answering things and how limiting and deadening it is to come up with a pat answer for anything. And so mm -hmm. to, uh, to track these things in an open way really resonates with me. I just recently had a patient, an acupuncture patient who doesn't always tell me dreams, but she came in to, to share these dreams because she'd had three with a similar image mm. of someone peering through a window and they were very different dreams, but it was someone just trying and trying to see through a window. And so she noticed the tracks, you know, and that let her know that it was significant somehow. Right. See that, and that's fascinating. That's, and that's exactly, you know, it's very different from a recurring dream, right? It's, it's similarities versus yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Repeating. Do you have any examples that come to mind of a track either in your own dreams or maybe someone else's you could share anonymously of just what a, what a track has looked like? Sure. Uh, one of the stories and dreams in the book is about a woman who started dreaming about babies and she had never done any dream work before. And so without starting into working on the imagery, I just asked her, please just keep a journal and just write down everything for the next two to three weeks, which she did. And then we got together and the image of the baby just kept recurring and kept recurring. And sometimes she was pregnant. Sometimes uh, the baby was uh, rolling down a hill. Uh, something was, she couldn't get to it in time. She couldn't save it. So there was this whole, you know, there was some panic around it. And her first inclination was to think, oh my gosh, am I supposed to have another baby? and was taking the dream very li literal, which wasn't really the kind of place in her life that she wanted to <laughs> be having another child. And so as we did more of the tracking of the baby showing up in all these different dreams and, and using the settings, which also kind of help us, you know, put placement around the imagery, it turned out that the baby was a part of her life. She was very um, into, photography and really loves taking pictures and life had gotten so busy at home. She had many ch children already. And so she hadn't had any time to spend with them, uh, with them being pictures, the, the photographs and that part of life was calling. And so all the things that kind of kept happening to this new life form that was trying to birth 
itself in her life now that her children were also getting a little bit older, wasn't getting tended to. And it kept showing up this way. And she didn't realize how important it was until we sat and went through all these dreams that had such similar energy and emotions. And ultimately, she ended up sitting down and having a big conversation with her family and let them know that, you know, she needed more time for this. And it, it ended up working out really, really beautifully. Um, but that was, that's an example of, of following one particular image. And yeah. it continues to unfold, of course, for her as well, because then it's finding the balance in your life and finding a way that you can still do that and keep that alive. So I'm sure it still shows up a bit, but. Uh... Yeah, that's a beautiful example. The, the baby as a presence of something new that wants to grow. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen that in my own dreams and seen that in many dreams too. And I like that you were, you and the dreamer were able to tie it together. Sometimes a pregnancy, sometimes a baby that needs protection. It shows up in all these different ways, just like her creative work yeah. is in all different stages. Yes. It was interesting too, because there was a little aspect of the dream that kind of was hinting towards what this was about. And that would be, uh, I think it was two times that it happened where she would take, try to take a photograph and either the camera lens was cracked and broken or that the bird that she was trying to take a photograph of was injured. And so there were things that were keeping her specifically from photography. And that even showed up in the tracking of, of the baby dreams. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. I, that's, that's another one. That's great that I've, I've actually seen. And sometime in the last few months, I asked in my Facebook group, how, how many people have had a dream where they're trying to take a picture and it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, because it's, I think it probably for not everyone, it's about being a photographer, but that experience, especially as so many of us are carrying our phones around and taking way more photos than we ever used to that experience of, uh, Oh, I see something now I want to capture it, you know, mm -hmm. and then having some problem either with seeing it through the lens or getting the capture and the memory into the phone or the camera. I've seen that many times. Have you seen that with other dreamers as well? You know, that is one of the first series of dreams as a child that I remember having. And uh -huh. I have, I've had those dreams my entire life. I have them to this day. <laughs> and yeah, so I can definitely relate to you. Do you, if you're comfortable sharing, I'm so curious, is there a way that you understand those for yourself? What I have kind of come to at this point, so I used to have these dreams of, they would be spaceships when I was really little and only I would see them and I would try to take a picture. And of course the camera didn't work. And this is back before cell phones when we had, you know, real actual cameras. Yeah. And over time as that has evolved, what I have realized is there's some part of me that is always so excited to find the mystery and the magic of life. And I want to share it, but there's some inability to be able to, to capture it so that I can. And so it feels like it's something along those lines for me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the times that it does show up. I mean, it happened during the writing of the book and trying to take pictures again of some baby birds outside of my window and, you know, something, something happening. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but it is it is a common dream theme. I think it's more common than people think. Yeah, and it's cool to hear your take on how it connects with your experience of of life in general. You know, when I've when I've had those dreams, I feel like for me it's also a very old tendency of mine to want to keep a record. I was mm-hmm. such an obsessive journaler as a teenager, and now I just don't have time, so I don't do that, but I still have the same urge to keep a record of everything and to want to remember and to want to be able to tell the story and yeah, there's something about holding on to it and not wanting it to disappear. So that's, oh, nice. I think that's what comes up for me with those types of dreams. Which is so beautiful. You just explained that so well. And I think you're absolutely right on also. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was your phrase, the sneaky snippet, which I just love. <laughs> you know, there are these fragments and sometimes they're the tracks. It's the thing, it's the baby or the trying to take a picture and it comes just as a little snippet. Right. What can you say about those? Oh my gosh. So it's so funny to me because I, I think that we think generally that, oh my gosh, I have to have a big dream for it to mean something. But a, the sneaky snippet, it's to me, it's a condensed version of a dream in just like a few seconds and a few images. And I have worked with so many people on a little snippet that they thought was absolutely nothing that ended up being a major something. And so <laughs> it, a girlfriend of mine and I were, came up with this phrase, doing a sneaky snippet piece of a dream for her. Um, I do have an example in the book also of one, but I mean, they happen all the time. And so I think the most important thing when it comes to that is just writing down everything you remember, because if we disregard the, the little ones, the short ones, we could very well potentially be missing out on the really, really juicy stuff of dreams. Yeah. Do you have, can you share one of those, either the one from the book or your friend? Like, what's it like for people listening who've never had this experience of diving into a fragment, a dream fragment or a snippet? Yeah. What's that like? So I'll I'll use the one from the book because I just love it. Uh, The entire dream is a woman walking on a treadmill in stilettos. Mm. Okay. That's it. (laughs) That's the whole dream. And when we worked the dream, we did a little bit of embodying of, well, what does it feel like to walk in stilettos? And, you know, why would you be walking on stilettos on a treadmill? And ultimately, it had so much to do with this dreamer's ability to connect to her own power and to her own feminine. And um, so... She actually, we, we took the dream kind of further a little bit in active imagination and ended up uh, making the woman in stilettos, we gave her a name so that when the dreamer was going through something that maybe she needed some, a support system, we would have her reconnect with the energy of this woman on the treadmill in stilettos, mm-hmm. you know, and so it became a a healing entity of sorts Hmm. Uh, and it seems like a really little thing but you know sometimes for all of us to just get in touch with 
the part of us that is powerful and does know it's good to have another, um, another energy that we can also tap into. So we used the dream that way. Yeah. And that's so, I mean, it's a tiny image, but it's so specific, the treadmill Mm -hmm. and the stilettos, the dream made sure that it was stilettos and a treadmill. (laughs) Exactly. And it is a very particular way of moving to walk, to stride along, you know, in stilettos. So I can really imagine, you know, going into an embodied process around that. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you and I also talked a little bit about this by email and it's in your book, this idea of nature speaking to us through dreams and dreaming with the whole ecology that we're a part of. I was really happy to see that you mentioned Robin Wall Kimmerer in your book. I just Mm. deeply love her book, Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could spend a little time on this whole idea of the earth and the ecosystem dreaming through us and what it's like to listen for that. Yes. One of my favorite subjects. (laughs) Um, You know, that of course was instilled in me from reading multiple people and also from the dream tending work that I have done with Steven Eisenstadt and all of the mentors and teachers that he has, um, the Australian aboriginals. And this whole idea of dreaming with ecology, I think probably the easiest way to to reference it is the idea that everything is dreaming all the time. And it's not the way that we think of falling asleep and having a dream, but there's some part of us that is always moving forward and, and creating and manifesting in every moment, you know, constantly. And because the earth is energy and everything literally in life is energy. When you break anything down to the tiniest component, we're all made of the same stuff. So energetically there's life in everything. Life is in the trees. It's in the mountains and the waters, of course, the creatures, and we can pick up on these energies. So the idea of working with dreams in that way oftentimes revolves around really identifying the landscape in the dream and really getting to know it and to listen with different ears, right? It's like, you know, we look into things and we hear into things in a different kind of a way when we're connected energetically to something and which is also so driven by curiosity. And so for myself, I think this really started, I started having dreams of feathers uh, and it was owls and hawks. And this started back in the nineties. And as time went on, I started realizing that I would find these feathers in waking life and that there was some way in which I was being informed by what I like to just call it the invisible world. So whatever it is that we cannot see, whether that's just an energy, whether that's another place, but that this invisible realm communicates with us all the time. And so if we know how to pay attention to that, we can really hear into the calls of of the others, so to speak. And so, you know, with, with what is going on on the planet, 
the rainforest, for example, right? The lungs of the earth that are, you know, being decimated for years now. And there has to be a call going out, even if it's an energetic that we can pick up on and in turn do something with. And I think that's the important piece of it. Um, I call it dream inspired advocacy in the book because, you know, I don't, I think we're all always getting called to do something, but it doesn't have to be huge, giant things. We can do little things, you know, we can, maybe we make a donation, maybe we're more careful about the things that we purchase that may be affecting, you know, the decimation of the rainforest. But we bring a mindfulness and a consciousness to our surroundings and to the call of the earth. So if, if that makes sense. Um, oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I sort of am steeped in the, the worldview, I guess, the way of seeing the universe that is expressed through classical Chinese medicine and, mm. you know, the Eastern cosmology in which my body is an entire landscape and is a microcosm of the earth and the earth is a body and the rivers yes. on the earth are the channels in my body. It's very, just a similar way of viewing all of this and the, the ecosystem that is so diverse that exists within our own bodies and that is on the body of the planet. And so I think that we are interconnected and I think science is through its own way finding how, you know, for example, the roots of the trees and the mycelium are communicating. Yes. But there are all kinds of levels of communication happening. And when I hear stories of people's precognitive dreams, you know, things that would, that would happen in their own lives in the future, or dreams of someone they hadn't spoken to, but then they find out later that's exactly what was happening with them. I feel like when we sleep and when we dream, we're open to a lot of input that most of us are not open to in the conscious waking state. And that has to include, like you say, the call coming out from the lungs of the earth, from the rainforest. I mean, we mm -hmm. are all affected by the rainforests and the inhalation and exhalation of the trees on this planet. So I'm sure that if we're listening, that that's there for us. And also that the, the things that are most relevant to us are that we, like I as an individual could be most impactful and is most important for me to pay attention to. I think that I'm sort of tuned into that. If all of these communications are a radio frequency, I'll be tuned into the ones that are most important for me to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So like you say, the actions might seem small, but they're the ones that I'm called to do. Right. No, exactly. And I, I think that, like you said, science is opening up uh, to things that people for centuries and eons have known and lived by. Uh, in the way that we are all connected, there is nothing that doesn't, you know, the ripple effect of anything affects all of humanity and it affects all of life. And so I completely agree. There's, there's a way in which everything does connect and also that we can't survive without all of the pieces or we don't survive as well. You know, we're not as healthy when things are going extinct or we haven't paid attention to 
you know, the importance of the food chain, Mm -hmm. you know. I recently took part in a beautiful nine-week program that my friend Aaron Giesemann-Rabke of Embodiment Matters offered that was about embodiment and the great turning, this turning of human society towards a life-sustaining way of, of being here on this planet. And in one of our final meetings, we all shared examples of people who didn't live to see the impact that their actions had mm-hmm. on the world. And, you know, there are countless and many of those stories, we don't even know the name of the person or the names of the people, but most of us were in tears by the end of that conversation because oh. these, these little actions, sometimes enormous actions, but just didn't have their full effect until years later. We don't know. We don't know what our little actions will do. You know, they're all have the potential to be that significant. Oh, absolutely. I think that even goes, goes down to the, you know, the simplest stories of somebody, you know, sitting next to somebody else on a bus and just making some kind comment. And later you find out that the person, you know, was going to end their life that day. We don't know the effect, right? Right. Yeah. It's so powerful. And, and it reminds me of Uh, something that Carolyn Mace had said, which was, you know, just be the light on your own street. Mm -hmm. Just start in your own circle or your own community and just do something. I mean, it may be as simple as picking up trash in the area. You know, it, it may be, you know, helping out in an animal shelter, whatever it is, but these things, they do matter. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple of dreams that felt to me like they were particularly attuned on this level Mm. and they were sort of, (laughs) they were kind of frustrating to me. I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but like they weren't exactly what I wanted to hear. You know how that kind of happens when you're getting a (laughs) nudge to do (laughs) what you're, what you really need to do. (laughs) I do. Um, (laughs) And uh, you know, I, I love the outdoors. I love the wilderness. I just love being among the trees and listening to the bird song. And I love working with people one-on-one and, um, you know, I'm passionate about issues of social justice because of how close I can feel to any individual human being. Um, but the, those, those are sort of my natural ways to be of help, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and both times that I've had a dream that I felt like, okay, I'm dreaming with the earth right now um, and, and hearing, hearing something about what I'm called to do, they've involved people who are somehow, somehow feel very, very different from me. Like we really disagree about how to care for the planet or we really disagree about um, political things or just, you know, those, the kind of the, the polarizing subjects that there are right now. And in both of these dreams, I'm encountering and kind of moving closer to and trying to figure out how to relate to these people. And I've, I have felt that both of those dreams are nudging me to say, you know, the human piece of this puzzle and continuing to take the time and open my heart to make those bridges with people who I might think who I could be convinced are, are on the other side, right? But I mm-hmm. repeatedly bring myself back to, there is no other side. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that as kind of a version of this earth speaking through my dreams 
has been actually very human, the human to human level. Yeah. And there's so much of that going on right now. Um, but I think, you know, you, you bring up a beautiful point because it's easy to rush into judgment or taking sides on things. And I think dreams allow us when we give them the opportunity to either show us another way of looking at something or a different way of relating to someone. But uh, it, it's kind of like that mindset of don't judge, just notice. And mm -hmm. if we stay out of judgment, and I try to use that in my own dream work in general of not even judging my own dream characters sometimes, mm -hmm. or some of the things that happen instead of, you know, projecting my stuff all over something and say, yes, but if I just watch, and if I just notice, and I don't analyze it, what's the other thing that meets me in that space because I'm open, which is exactly your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in, and our dreams operate in such a different idea of what's, what gets to be included, what's good or bad, you know, doesn't necessarily exist at all in that right. space. And all these characters who come to us that we might have some kind of aversion to right. in waking life are, you know, like shadow characters yes. carrying something so important for us. Yeah. It, and it's, it, it really is such a good point. Do you have any stories of your own where you felt like you were getting, or I guess of dream inspired advocacy where you, you were inspired to do something through your dreams? Well, I've had <laughs> two things come to mind. One thing is that I, I dream about picking up trash a lot. And then this is another, I've had this dream for years and so one thing I do is when I do go out walking in nature, I always try to remember to bring a trash bag with me and I just, I pick up stuff as I go, Uh huh. but it was inspired by a dream. I feel, you know, I mean, I, I would be like that anyways, but still, yeah, uh, that's one. But the other one that I'm, that I'm really excited about because it's more recent, um, you know, I, I mentioned about dreaming about hawks and owls in the 90s and starting to find feathers and things like that. Um, so as that has continued and those kind of dream characters also have continued to show up, I started doing more research on especially the owls. And I love all animals, but I got really, really inspired and interested in owls. And at the beginning of the uh, whole COVID pandemic at the beginning of last year, I, my husband and I ended up getting an owl box to put up uh, in the trees around our yard. And mostly because I was just so fascinated by, by the owls. And what ended up happening is I started just a simple nextdoor.com group on owls. And it was just because of my passion and my love for them that it has turned into, there's over 300 members of that group now. Many, many of them have put up owl boxes uh, in, in, in the community and surrounding communities. But for the, the reason is more about natural ways of rodent control. Mm. And so 
you know, other, I mean, also, of course, you know, helping them to thrive and to live and to be healthy. But secondarily to that, something else kind of was birthed, which was that, you know, the rodenticides that are being used on the planet are yeah. killing the rats and the mice, but they're also killing ma- I mean, the mountain lions and the bobcats and I mean, so many. And so it turned into kind of this wonderful educational place to share the beauty of owls and inspire people to find different ways of being in balance with the earth, right? I mean, that's would be the natural food chain would be the owls are taking care of the rats and the mice so that people aren't putting up something that isn't is really harming the entire environment and oftentimes even pets and children. So that's that to me was a dream inspired advocacy that's still very much um, alive and it's growing every day and it's all just about educating and just having you know my my passion for something take on a little life of its own that I never anticipated yeah oh yeah. that's so cool and it's so it's such a great example of this just the owl shows up in the right. dreams and then the ripple effect of that or the the chain that that begins with people paying attention to owls, rodent control that doesn't involve poisons, which of course affect the entire ecosystem, mm-hmm. and animals alike, that that, and also born of a love of owls and helping people appreciate them. That's a really beautiful story. Yeah, thank you. How cool. And I also have to say, um, as since you're a dream worker, how cool that you are bringing this a box, you know, a safe place for this creature of the night. I love that too, because where I live, we have, uh, our dark skies are really appreciated. People will come here to see the stars and birds come here that don't go other places because there's still darkness. We don't have all that light pollution. And I think a lot, you know, as a dream worker too, about the importance of darkness and sleep and dreaming and, you know, that has so many effects on the earth ecosystem and the body ecosystem to actually have a time of darkness and sleep when the owls can do their thing. Yes. Yes. Right. When one of us goes to sleep, the other one wakes up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Goes and has their life and does their thing. And I notice when I personally am not getting enough sleep, if I stay up late and get up too early, you know, a few nights in a row because of whatever's going on, that I think is so important in the waking world. I miss my dreams. You know, that whole process doesn't happen and I don't remember my dreams. And there there really is something missing besides the, just the sleep, the rest. Oh, absolutely. I feel like they, they help keep us in balance. Even if you don't remember them all yeah. the time, you know, but I, I, I agree there. It, it's such a crucial piece uh, for healing too on so many levels, you know, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And when we allow ourselves to get a good night's sleep like that uh, and open ourselves also to that kind of healing energy of, of dreams, it really makes a big difference. And I'm like you, if, if I don't have dreams, I really, I can literally feel the effect in my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, while we still have a little time, there's a couple other things I'm interested to hear you reflect on. One is about 
dreams and affirmations, kind of how you look at this idea of the thoughts that we're feeding ourselves and how that relates to our dreams and how we can learn from our dreams, what we want, how we want to talk to ourselves. Mm, Wonderful. So uh, as you had mentioned at the beginning, I'm also a law of attraction certified coach. And so much of that coaching is about looking at thought patterns and beliefs. And this also gets, of course, into the judgments, whether it's somebody outside of ourselves or personal self-judgment. And so dreams are constantly giving us feedback as to how we're moving through life. So let's just say that I have a belief system about anything, you know, if it, if it's, if something resonates with me versus if something doesn't resonate with me, that's feedback alone. But if, as far as the affirmations, if I can recognize in my dreams that, you know, I'm always running from something right? Another common dream thing. I'm always running or I'm always being chased. If I want to try to shift the energy, because maybe I'm noticing that that continues to show up every few weeks. And I also don't like the way it feels. So an affirmation would be to take the dream and come up with a statement that shifts the energy into something better feeling so instead of having this image of being chased and, and running away, maybe my affirmation is I am strong and I am able to handle any situation that comes my way as an example, right? Like it's the, you would take something from the dream and shift it into a positive affirmative statement that you could keep on a mirror, keep on your dream altar, and use it that way. So that's kind of what I was talking about in that part of the book mm-hmm. is use, yeah, to find something that resonates, that makes you feel better that you can use to actually um, improve your waking life state of mind. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me to turn to the dreams for what's going to be an important affirmation because the dreams are telling us what's really going on, what's really up right now, what's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm thinking too of striding along in stilettos and, you know, whatever for that dreamer, I think you said um, a sense of feminine power. Was that mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. That, that, you know, to take not necessarily a, um, an unpleasant thing in the dream, like being chased, but even that positive feeling, you know, I, I walk in feminine power or something that that's the dream says that matters. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes it fun too, right? Because dream work should always involve some, an action mm-hmm. and uh, anything that we can do to make it a little bit playful and a little bit fun coming up with some affirmation that makes me feel really good about it. Also, I think, you know, the dreams respond to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing I just wanted to ask was for the people listening, there are always people listening who are just getting curious about dreams or just getting back into caring about dreams and keeping a dream journal. And I know you include in your book some advice for journaling and tracking dreams. I wonder if you have one or two tips you might offer to listeners about tracking and journaling. Sure. Um, 
I would say, I mean, you know, there's always kind of the, the standards, which are make sure you always leave an open notebook by the bed with a pen. Uh, you're creating intention that way and you're gonna be more likely to be remembering your dreams. But then you also have something to quickly start writing them down. I think when it comes to journaling, one of the most important things is writing the dream in the present tense. It changes everything so dramatically. So, you know, it, I think people tend to write dreams in the past tense. You know, I was doing something because now I've woken up and the dream was during the night. So I, I, I think of it in the past, but if I bring it into the here and now, and, you know, like I'll give you a quick example. If, uh, if an example of past tense, present tense. So if I had a dream, let's say I dreamed that I was in a jail cell and it was cold and it was lonely and it was dark. But if I say it in the present tense, I am in a jail cell and I am cold and lonely and it's dark. It brings me into the here and now. It brings me into the immediacy of the moment of the dream so that it isn't something that doesn't exist right now. So that's always just my most crucial suggestion for people is to, to write in the present tense. Also to make sure to just, you know, like I mentioned, include the details, make sure you, you write down the colors or if there's a number or if there's a message and describe your, your scenes as much as you have time for, because oftentimes these little tracks are going to be in some of the smaller details that may not always be as noticeable. You know, maybe there's something out in the field, but it's hiding behind the tree and you know it's there, but you can't see it. So just acknowledging it in your writing of the dream is really, really helpful. And I also really encourage people to include emotions in the dream and make sure that that's part of their journaling as well, because to uh, be able to identify how you're feeling in the dream is a track in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, have a, a whole chapter just on explore your emotions because I think it is such an important part of the dream work. Yeah. Yeah. And right. The repeated, oh, I'm scared again. I'm scared again. <laughs> again at the track of experiencing fear or whatever the emotion is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the details and that the tracks might be there because I've definitely noticed that for myself. One track in my dreams is this low stone wall, like, you know, mortared together kind of natural stone, low wall. And okay. that has showed up, shown up in so many different dreams with, you know, any kind of plot line or location or characters, those have not necessarily been related. But if I didn't write down, there's a low stone wall to the left, you know, that might all be all that it is. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would just miss a, an important track, whatever that, whatever that low stone wall is about. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a perfect example because you're right. If, and, and I think that when people look back on their journals, and realize, I mean, because from day to day, we're not going to remember we had this, this, the, the low stone wall dream from three weeks ago, mm -hmm. if we don't write it down, it, right. they, they, you know, they evaporate. Um, but yeah, writing it down gives us that ability to be able to see, oh my goodness, there it is <laughs> again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also to see if it changes, you mm -hmm. know? 
it's like in, in our own evolution, does the stone wall start getting taller? Does it change color? Does it change location? Or, you know, and you just start watching for things around the, the tracks and how those are shifting as well. Yeah, that would be interesting even for me to go back and look at, you know, who's there near the low stone wall this time? Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Gosh, this has been a really fun conversation. Is there, is there any last uh, thoughts you'd want to add? Anything else you want to share with listeners? Oh, goodness. You know, I think um, one of the nice opportunities that we have at the end of dream work is to do something to honor the dream. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage anybody who is writing down their dreams to just do a little something. And again, this is like our conversation earlier. It doesn't have to be anything big, but if you dream of an animal, maybe print out a picture and keep it with you for a couple of days, keep the energy of that image around you. Or, you know, if, if it encourages you to call a friend to take a, an action based on what you feel the dream may be asking of you, Mm-hmm. because you never know where that's going to lead. Right. And it also is just a nice way to honor the dream time and, and to kind of give thanks for the gift of dreams. Mm-hmm. So I use it as a, as a way of uh, kind of showing gratitude to my dream life as if it has a life of its own because it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know? yeah. it does. And just even that, that feeling of um, specialness, like that it connects back to the dream that that's staying with me through the day. Or like, I think of you picking up trash and how there's, there's something more significant than just picking up trash going on there because it comes from a dream. Yes. Yes. Great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) If anyone listening wants to get your book or they want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, work with you, where's the best place to find you online? Uh, Best place is uh, bambicorso.com. And on there, I have a a whole page dedicated to the book. There are links to Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Book Locker. Uh, It will bring people right there from from that page. Okay, great. I'll put a link to your website and send everybody your way. Thank you. Thank you again so much. I got a lot out of this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Leilani. It was a wonderful, wonderful time with you. Thank you for listening. Tell me what stands out to you from this conversation. Have you noticed any tracks in your dreams? Leave a comment on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 26. That's thedreamersden.org slash 26 or post in the Dreamer's Den free Facebook group. You'll also find links to everything we mentioned in the episode on the show notes. And be sure to leave your five-star rating if you're a fan of this show. Take your screenshot and tag me at Heal, Grow, Thrive, Flow to be entered to win a free ticket to an upcoming live event or dream group call. I'll talk to you again on the full moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.